Hey guys, before we dive into the show, I wanted to tell you about my new trailer music toolkit, which is 100% free and you can download it right now over at richardprin.com forward slash toolkit. This toolkit contains... Firstly, my perfect trailer cue blueprint. It also contains a handful of one-shot samples, like huge trailer hits, pings, plucks, brahms, booms, transitions, and downers. Perfect for beginners, pros, and everything in between. Okay, let's get into the episode. One man. One microphone. And one medium-sized coffee. Welcome to the Trailer Music Composers Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Trailer Music Composers Podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to be answering a question, or should, should I say questions, sent in by one of my fantastic listeners, Matt. Hi, Richard. Uh, My name's Matt. I'm a friend of Dave Carr's. Um, He introduced me to to your YouTube channel and everything you do, uh, maybe back in, God, back in January or February of this year. Um, And uh, he has uh, really, really inspired me to um, take up the torch and the mantle of... uh, of writing trailer music, um, you know, before before I met Dave, and actually probably before probably before November of last year, you know, or maybe even this time last year, you know, I had real no no real idea of you, you know the the trailer music world at all, um, and so he's been a, a huge inspiration, um, as has your material, and I found myself. Um, feeling inspired and motivated when listening to your stuff. And um, first of all, I just want to say thank you for that. Um, because uh, I've had a few moments over the last six, seven months when I've been writing and I've been uh, in a bit of a rut. And, um, you know, listening to one of your your videos or watching one of your um, explanatory, you know, videos specifically uh, recently. Um, oh, bloody hell, what was it called? Benedetta is that the one yeah that video was I mean really helpful um especially on the uh you know the form of what you're writing um I like you I'm a I'm a I'm a guitarist and um I've been recently uh trying to get into writing the neoclassical stuff so I've been listening to your um elephant music albums um specifically uh Sovereign and Sanctuary um and being so inspired man i mean it's uh i mean that stuff um on sovereign i mean that album is just wicked and uh the build that you create is just awesome and um really really like i said really really inspiring stuff and i had done um earlier in the year sort of some like fantasy movie stuff and some sort of like marvel inspired stuff but you know i want to try and move into different styles i don't want to sort of be just writing the same thing because I feel like I'm um, feel like I'm repeating myself. Um, but one question I had, um, which <laughs> there are no there are no silly questions, um, and I'm sure that in some of your discussions with other composers, um, you know you've you've covered this, um, but it's sort of something that I'm still, you know, kind of unsure about really, which is you know, when do you know, or when does a budding composer 
such as myself, um, you know, wanting to make this my career. Um, when, when should a person in my position approach a publisher? Um, you know, is there a, I know there's no set formula and I mean, you know, some of the guys that you've spoken to, um, you know, including Dave, um, you know, they've, um, had really good experiences of, um, of approaching publishers. And I'm sure that, you know, one of the most important things is the quality of their product, right? Um, you know, I know Dave writes some awesome stuff and, um, on your other, not on your trailer music school channel, but on your podcast channel, um, you spoke to, um, was he, a, I can't remember his name, a German chap. Um, was he German? I can't remember. Um, and again, I can't remember his name, the American guy, um, not too long ago, um, who suffered from a, from a lisp and, you know, I was listening to him, um, and I thought, wow, you know, what a brave guy going on a podcast. Uh, John R. Moore, was that his name? Um, but yeah, you know, these guys tell their stories and, um, you know, I feel like to a certain extent, I don't know. Uh, but is there like a bit of luck in in their journey and, and you know, making this their career? I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's, you know, the quality of their product, right? And timing. Um, but yeah, that's kind of <laughs> waffling. Um, that's kind of my question really is, um, you know, how does how does someone in my position know when the timing is right to to approach a publisher? Um, and um, I, I've read... Um, what's it called i've got the book somewhere this um oh dave sent me a a, a really uh, good um book by the gothic storm the guy who owns gothic storm publisher i think it's called gothic storm um i read that book uh, about trailer music and, and stuff but you know reading the book and taking on his advice is one thing but actually doing it is another right um because as I said, I really would love to make this my full-time career. Um, but again, I suppose it just depends on the quality of my product um, and if what I'm writing is is wanted. Um, but yeah, I was just wondering if you could offer any uh, wisdom on that and um, when, you know, maybe from your experience, you know, when you felt the timing was right to approach um, approach a company. Thanks very much. And as always, uh, Richard, I shall be looking forward to your next podcast. Okay. So thanks again, Matt, for taking the time to actually record this and ask me the questions. It's really nice to hear the questions sent in like this. It's, you know, I get a real feel for my listeners' personalities, which is remarkably similar to mine. Uh, so here we go. There are three things I'd like to deal with with regard to this question. The first and uh, foremost aspect of it is it's so refreshing to hear someone struggling to remember people's names. I do that all the time. <laughs> so it's really nice to hear uh, you doing that. You know, it kind of takes me back to uh, when I was at uni and I was, uh, I've been doing a course with this guy. I was really getting along with him. His name was Carl. Um, I wanted to introduce him to my wife. She was my girlfriend at the time, but she's now my wife. Uh, and I was like, hey, Debs, come over here. I want to meet, I want to introduce you to, and I forgot his name. <laughs> and he looked at me and he was like, yeah, who are you introducing me to? 
Um, so I think that's forever scarred me, that, that moment. So now whenever I struggle to remember a name, I just think of that moment of freezing and feeling my cheeks burn with embarrassment and whatnot. Anyway, on to the meat of the conversation, which is, when is the timing right for somebody to dive into their trading music career, career and you know start approaching publishers? And the second aspect of it is, the idea of air quotes lux involvement or i should say the involvement of luck uh so let's get with the timing now this is a really interesting question because what you're essentially battling here is your ability to critique your work in relation to others but also your your ability to ignore your limiting beliefs about yourself and your, I don't know, what was it? Might, might, be, might, might not be latent, but I want to say latent fears relating to such an endeavor. Let's talk about the first part. The first part being your ability to critique your work on a level ground with others. Now, I want to say that there are two aspects to this the quality of writing and the quality of production. Do not confuse the two. You know, a good publisher worth their salt will be able to hear a quality track that's not mixed well. And vice versa, a good publisher will be able to tell a terrible track that's been mixed beautifully. So... When I'm talking about comparing your stuff to others, don't compare it on a basis of loudness. And I say this speaking from experience because for years and years, I sort of sat there being like, oh, my stuff's not as loud as theirs. Why isn't it as loud? And I focused so much on loudness that I just completely ignored the fact that the work I was producing was actually pretty good. So the way to think of it is this. Would your track sit with these reference tracks on an album and feel like it fits in. This is your like benchmark for am I producing quality writing? You know, it's not necessarily um, would this track fit in in terms of production? And don't confuse the two. And if you just to, just to clarify that the the kind of like the good analogy here is that a great song should be able to be stripped back to a singer and a guitar, and that's it. You should be able to hear the bones of a track, the build of a track, the melodic structure of a track, the harmonic structure of the track, the way the composer has utilized the form of trailer music to bring about this sense of growth, emotion, and tension, and impact, and build. I mean, I can, I can hear when someone's written a kind of low-quality track and just shoved a load of one-shots on there. Well, I can hear that because I do that all the time. <laughs> you know, I write a track and go, yeah, just chuck the one-shots on. Done. This is an amazing cue. And I forget, oh, wait a second, I've got to... No, it's, no, it's not. It just sounds really good. Um... In terms of like, oh, it's all loud and punchy. So 
that's your first thing is to kind of think to yourself does my track sit with these tracks and would it work well on an album with these tracks so obviously we're trying to find tracks that are in a similar vein if you are matt pursuing neoclassical would your neoclassical tracks sit with these other neoclassical tracks so that's the first thing and i just want to I kind of caveat that with it does tie in with the next bit um but there is a like there is a a saying that I used to love from a chap called John Lee Dumas he's got a podcast called EO Fire Entrepreneur on Fire not literally that would be a terrible show I mean you know that's as in like this guy's on fire that type of thing um he interviews like high-flying entrepreneurs basically and sort of finds about their tactics and whatnot. Great podcast. Um, and he had this thing. <laughs> so I'm going to put an American accent on. I apologize, guys, for if I offend anyone. But he would say, compare and despair, ladies and gentlemen. And I loved that, compare and despair, because there is a danger in comparison in that you can compare. And if you're in the wrong place mentally, you'll go, oh, I'm rubbish. I'm just terrible. Why am I bothering? And then you'll storm out and you'll have a little sob, you know, and perhaps a little nap. And then it'll be opening up the Ben and Jerry's and the Doritos and whatnot. So when it comes to comparing your track, as in with that question in mind, does this track work with these other tracks? Make sure you're in a good place because otherwise you could get there and be like, no, it doesn't sit on the album with these tracks. It's rubbish. It's awful, Uh, et cetera, et cetera. There is another aspect of this in that you have to make sure that you are correctly allocating your track to similar tracks. What I mean by that is that you're not not chucking in your, like, aggressive hip-hop trailer cue with action sound design trailer cues. They may have similar qualities, you know, impact and punch, but they're not the same thing and they wouldn't work on the same album together. Well, perhaps, maybe, but um, in my mind they won't because of the ones I'm hearing in my mind. In my mind! So that's the first bit. The second bit is your limiting beliefs about yourself and your fears about going for it. And what I mean mean by this is Say you get to that point where you go, okay, my track's ready. My track is like on par with these other albums. Then you go, then the little voice creeps in and says, no, it's not. It's fucking rubbish. And you go, oh shit, no, it's awful. And then you just go into this cycle of despair. Because what you're hearing is the the twat in your head that's basically going to be tearing you down because you're afraid. It's a terrifying thing to realize you have a quality track on your hands and now you have more work ahead of you. Wait, what? I, I, I have to sell this to people? Oh, man. I have to make friends in the industry? What the, you know, I have to network? <coughs> Excuse me. It's all of these things where fear... And your limiting beliefs about yourself and your abilities will start to be revealed. 
you'll start to go, okay, this is terrifying me. And then you'll pull back and you'll find reasons as to not to do it. You know, well, I'm just too busy. Oh, I hate emailing people. I'd rather do it face to face. Oh, you know, actually, I need to finish the mix a little bit better. Oh, it's, it's not quite done. And then you'll come up with endless excuses as to why you shouldn't be trying to then pitch it. But the moment you have a track that you think is worth it and you think fits on these albums with these other published tracks that have got placements, then you go, okay, let's knuckle down for a little bit of hard work. Writing the music is one thing. You then have to find a home for it. That's when you go, okay, I'm scared, but I'm going to do it anyway. You have to confront those fears because you will find those fears rearing their ugly head at every obstacle. You know, they reared their head when you were writing the track. They reared their head when you were mixing it. They're going to read, they reared your head when, read your head, reared their head when it came to emailing it. They read their head when it came to the publisher asking you to do another track. They're going to keep burying their head no matter how far down the line you are, how much money you're getting, how many placements you're winning. Those fears are going to keep coming up and you just have to keep smashing them down. By proving to those fears that the actions you are taking negate the things the proof, air quotes, proof that they are bringing to you. They say, oh, oh, you know what, your track's not that good. And you go, well, I don't care what you think, fear. The publisher's signed it. So joke's on you. Take that. You have to approach it like that. And it takes bravery. Like... (coughs) Excuse me. I don't want to talk about bravery too much. But people underestimate how much it takes to pursue this stuff as a creative person. And this is where we go into the area of the involvement of luck. I have had luck thrown at me. I mean, people saying to me, oh, he's just so lucky. I've had the the word lucky thrown at me so many times and luck being involved in these things. Now, luck is is a wonderful idea. I mean, the mathematical chances of luck, especially in terms of like, well, funnily enough, I moved to this town and I decided to join a choir and the person leading the choir also owned a trailer company. What luck! I mean, the chances of that are so minuscule that you have to think that there is something else going on. There are no... uh, What's the word? Oh, blimey. Blimey! Uh, I was going to say consequences, but that's wrong. You know... (coughs) Uh, coincidences, that's it. The people who would be called lucky are the ones who have shown up consistently and persistently. You know, it's that kind of like 10-year overnight success. Oh, they're so lucky. They've just been an overnight success even though they've been sort of publishing YouTube videos to nobody for 10 years. 
There is no luck here, guys. It's just those who show up and those who don't. If you keep your eyes and ears open for opportunities and you learn to make the most of those opportunities, then you will find, yes, you might think, oh, how lucky was that? It's, imagine, it's kind of like a cricketer stood on the, uh, on the boundary line, see someone knock it out as if it's going to go for a six, and they jump up and catch it and go, well, what luck? <laughs> no, you're just doing what you're supposed to do. Yeah, well, that, that was lucky because it could have hit it anywhere. Yeah, but it didn't. And it's not lucky. You were stood in the right place strategically. You strategically positioned yourself to receive what the universe, what God, what your higher soul, whatever it is, the higher power is giving to you. I'm going full on woo-woo now. I'm feeling very happy about it. You know, you'll see those people doing well are the ones that consistently show up. Even when they've had bad feedback from a client. Even when they got their chucks, tracks chucked off an album. Even when they don't feel like it, they show up. So when it comes to the kind of like the magical timing of things and luck, you know, just do it. You're not going to learn by not doing it. You know, it's kind of that idea that the perfect track sat on your hard drive is not the perfect track. <laughs> it is time, young Padwans to unleash your gifts to the world. And it's just, just start making connections. Just start making connections even before you have that air quotes perfect track. Because then that moment when you, when the connection is made and you've got a friendship with somebody, you go, oh, whilst we were making friends, I was making awesome tracks. And here's one of them. Check it out. Bosh. Don't wait. Take action. But I would also like to caveat this taking action and this idea of goals and whatnot with the idea of being the person you want to be. And this is like a, a dramatic theme for me at the moment. Are you the type of person who slaves and slaves away over a track? And do you want to be that type of person? Are you the type of person and do you want to be the type of person who's in meetings all the time? This is why I gave up doing custom work because I didn't want to be the type of person who was doing that type of work. So it's really important that you keep this at the forefront of your mind. Does what I'm doing time with the person I want to be? If it does, cash back. <laughs> anyway uh, I apologise for all the coughing I don't think it was actually a lot of coughing some coughing I'm really holding back I've got a tickly cough at the moment tickly I've got a tickly cough got a tickly cough at the moment and it's a bit cold so I'm going to I'm going to hang up the phone in a second and then cough my lungs out onto the pavement um, 
I won't. Well, hopefully I won't. No, you'll see me in the next episode if I haven't, anyway. <laughs> uh, as always, thanks so much for listening, guys. And just another quiet plug for my Quiet Whisper newsletter over on richardprin.com. If you like the way we stuff and you like this whole thinking about life in a more holistic way regarding your creativity, then head on over there, richardprin.com, click sign up, and then you'll get weekly newsletters about about that stuff because you know it's it's fun isn't it uh yeah thanks for listening guys you guys absolute legends and matt thank you so much for taking the time to record the message i really enjoy answering these it feels a lot more personable than me just choosing a topic at random and just chatting to myself for 20 minutes i at least feel like i'm chatting to one other person i'll see you guys in the next episode ta-ra Amazing. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. I have something really, really exciting to offer you. I've put all 12 of my trailer music courses into a bundle called the Ultimate Trailer Music Bundle. And I've put it on for a very, very special offer. Head on over to richardprin.com forward slash trailer music bundle to get your hands on this awesome deal.